a nightmare, really. I wish I didn't have to have carers. But I've not got a choice. Media always kind of sees us as a, a burden. Social care, I just, I just always put don't care. It's degrading. Completely degrading. But there's whole other sides to care that people don't even, you know, don't even recognise. Changes on the horizon in Scotland and disabled people are calling for national reform to overhaul the broken social care system. This is Care About Us, a podcast made by disabled people about the social care system and how it needs to change. This podcast was made by the Glasgow Disability Alliance, a disabled people's organisation or DPO, controlled by our 5,500 plus disabled members. GDA are the largest groundswell of disabled members in Europe and a leading and celebrated example of grassroots community of identity. I'm your host, Carl Young, Community Development Coordinator at GDA, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sophie Lawson, Policy and Participation Manager as well. Hello. In this podcast series, we'll be speaking to GDA members about what social care means to them, the state of the current system, and what needs to change properly to meet disabled people's needs. Today, we're going to be talking about what social care is and how it meets or doesn't meet the needs of disabled people in Scotland. Just kicking us off, Soph, do you want to give us some context about the state of social care in Scotland? Yeah, so disabled people are probably the largest users of adult social care in Scotland. One in five people in Scotland are disabled. In Glasgow, that's one in four and close to one in three people being disabled, particularly in higher deprivation areas. At GDA, we work with our members to establish areas and key messages where there's consensus and agreement and social care is one area where we have a completely unanimous position. The social care system in its current form is too broken and fragile to meet the real needs of disabled people in Scotland. How much leaders actually care about social care, disabled people and their families is definitely a reasonable question for us to ask at this point based on all the evidence, the lack of action. There's also this misunderstanding or lack of knowledge about the reality of social care system, how bad it actually is, but also what care is for and what it actually means for disabled people. We had a wee chat with one of our members, Rosie, just to see what her opinion of social care is. Social care is a key part of disabled people's human rights. What is social care? GDA members define social care as the practical support to live the lives we want to live and participate in society alongside non-disabled people. Despite knowing what support they need to live the lives they want to live, 83% of GDA members receiving social care support have reported that they do not get the support they need when they need it. When the Scottish Government commissioned Derek Feely, a former Chief Executive of NHS Scotland, to do an independent review of adult social care, he recommended that the current system be completely torn up and reformed. His finished report, published in 2021, describes social care as a battlefield, as an inhumane process where you have to fight for the bare minimum. Feely also said we need to change the way we think about social care, from a safety net to a springboard. We spoke to Richard Brunner from the Centre of Disability Research at the University of Glasgow, who was able to explain this in a bit more detail. So we have a small team of researchers and PhD students that focus on issues facing disabled people. And um, we try and conduct our research in a way that is always focused on the barriers that disabled people face 
to achieving true equality. Feely found that uh, social care needs to be seen as an investment and not a burden. Um, Social care needs to work in a preventative way rather than a reactive way. Um, Social care needs to enable rights and support independent living. And social care needs to be consistent across Scotland rather than a postcode lottery. And I think that identifies very well what the problems are with the social care system um, based on the evidence that we have from disabled people and the lived experiences that have been discussed um, within uh, the activists in Glasgow Disability Alliance, for example. In Feely's review and the National Care Service Bill, there is a focus on human rights approaches to social care, but we do know that disabled people are concerned about social care that does not promote our right to independent living. Richard, do you think you can tell us a bit more about why upholding human rights are so important? So independent living means uh, disabled people having the same freedom, choice, dignity and control as every other citizen at home, at work and in the community. And that definition was used in the Feely Review as well. For me, human rights should be a given. All humans should be able to live with freedom, dignity and control over our lives. Uh, But we know for disabled people, there's systemic barriers that lead to disabled people being disadvantaged in many ways due to um, discriminatory structures in society. So disabled people are less likely uh, to be in work, for example. Uh, uh, When they're in work, they're more likely to be lower paid. Uh, Disabled people also have higher costs than the average person in order to live well Um, and so that leads that together leads to disabled people tending to live in greater poverty um, than the average citizen so last year we produced uh, two reports uh, between myself and the disabled people's organization network in scotland uh, one on um, disabled people and work and poverty and the other one on disabled people and barriers to participation and so these confirmed uh, those themes of disabled people being both discriminated against in terms of trying to get work and being discriminated against in terms of being able to equally participate at all levels in Scottish society. So social care needs to be a, a springboard to allow disabled people to be able to live their lives as equally as any other citizen and currently that's not the case because, as uh, as uh, Derek Feely pointed to in his report, um, there are uh, significant unmet needs in terms of social care and significant problems in the delivery of social care, including because of the low wages and inconsistent provision of um, social care support for disabled people and AIDS and adaptations. But we're trying to do more work on unmet needs in social care at the moment in order to try and uh, understand how unmet needs can better be delivered so that disabled people can uh, live with human rights and achieve that independent living, which means having the same freedom, choice, dignity and control as every other citizen. Unmet need is an infamously difficult concept to define. 
and GDA members have been calling on local authorities to mandate recording it for years to properly see the level of neglect and inhumane breach of rights happening in Glasgow right now to disabled people. Unmet needs in social care is very interesting, actually, because it's something which hasn't been thought about very much by governments. And we can think about why that is. And it may be because, you know, disabled people are um, quite low on the hierarchy of priorities for governments. Um, and disabled people have had to fight hard to get social care that's half decent. So when governments start to properly consider unmet needs, then they need to start to think about bigger questions, really. Uh, Audit Scotland in 2022 produced a report that said that inconsistent recording of unmet needs makes it make it problematic in Scotland for us to assess the level of unmet need and therefore what more is required to deliver a person-centred human rights approach to social care. And so in terms of unmet need, we need to start thinking about the number of people in Scotland that needs some social care, i.e. people that haven't got any at the moment, that need more social care, i.e. people that have got some social care, but it's not adequate for them to have full independent living, or people that need a different type of social care in order to achieve independent living. Um, So we need to kind of quantify the number of people that need that social care, but we also need then to quantify the range of those unsatisfied care and support needs. So Scotland needs to start thinking about what would be a, a good definition of unmet needs in social care for us to be able to truly live up to allowing disabled people to live equally to every other citizen. We're working up a a literature review of unmet needs in Scotland um, in terms of social care. That's myself and Nafsika Zazu at the University of Glasgow, who's a, a PhD student there. And in looking at needs, there's quite a traditional way of looking at it, which is thinking about activities-based needs, which are known as activities of daily living and independent activities of daily living. So these are the kind of needs that help people to get out of bed, to wash, to eat, to move about. Uh, But these ideas predate the social model of disability and the disabled people's movement from the early to mid-1970s and far predate the modern notion of independent living. For example, independent activities of daily living and activities of daily living don't really have a, a sense of quality of life and interdependence that people have so it's all very well saying people need to get out of bed and um, eat Um, but it's a question of what you want to get out of bed for and having something meaningful to do with your day and how does social care and the other structures help disabled people to be able to do those kind of things that non-disabled people might take for granted. So finding work, finding love, um, participating in society, 
going to the pub, going to the dancing. I don't know. There's all sorts of things that are meaningful in life, which involve engagement with other human beings. And that's what independent living is truly about. And achieving the activities of daily living and the independent activities of daily living, those functional moments of um, getting out of bed and eating are fine and important as a basis for independent living, but they are not in themselves independent living. Disabled people want holistic social care that supports them to live the lives they want to live. To have a social life, relationships, to work, to travel, to have hobbies, to be a person. Here's what our members had to say about what social care is to them. Care is more than washing and dressing. And that for, you know, that for me is fundamental. It's about an all-encompassing care. Surely the whole point of social care is allowing people to be independent. Now having such a good experience of social work, seeing the kind of difference in how I was treated and the sense that when I had my assessment for SDS, I was looked at like as an entire person. So how it could hit, how looking after my physical health and that support looked after my mental health, how having social support was really key to be able to access my community, boost mental health while having the support I needed and all these kinds of things. And I had my assessment done during COVID. Um, that's when my SDS assessment was actually done. And he did really look at how we could support me, even though I wasn't able to go out of the house because I was shielding, to still have the level of support I need, still have the social support I would need when things with COVID relaxed a little bit more so that we wouldn't have to do another assessment. Um, and I've been really lucky that experience was quite good. Uh, and just looking at that kind of whole picture, not kind of saying, well, because you're disabled, you'll need to go to college or because you're disabled, you need to do this. It was very, like for me, it was very person-centred. It was very approached on it. What are my hobbies? How do I want to interact with my community? And how can I have the support to do that? The social model of disability was originated in the mid-1970s by a group of um, disabled people who were in a living in a care home and realised that they were not able to do and be the things they wanted to do and be in life and were fed up, frankly, of the focus being uh, placed on them and the impairments that they had they felt that disability was actually caused by society's attitudes towards disabled people and the kind of barriers that society puts in front of disabled people um, which stops disabled people um, being able to meet their rights and needs and aspirations so this was a kind of game-changing moment. Um, so up until the mid-1970s, uh, people thought about disability in terms of asking people questions about their impairments. So questions like, you know, um, what's wrong, what what what's what's wrong with you? Um what is it what is it about you that makes it difficult for you to travel, right? But after the social model of disability was designed um academics and activists like mike oliver started to ask the questions from a different end of the telescope so rather than saying you know what's wrong with you you would ask what's wrong with society rather than saying what 
what is it about you that means you can't get around? We would ask questions like, what is it about the bus service that makes it inaccessible? So immediately the question is asked of society about what adaptations and changes society and government need to make and disabled people should just be able to live as any other citizen uh, with society making those changes that enable disabled people to live freely as every other citizen lives freely. GDA members are speaking out, sharing their lived experience of social care and amplifying their voices to call for the change needed to fix the broken care system. Our social care expert group brings together over a hundred of our members with experience of needing or using social care who dedicate their time and energy on campaigning to improve the social care system. Drivers for Change and the social care expert group. I'm part of those where I see them as the activist arm of GDA who are trying to get changes um, in policy and procedures. I mean, it makes me feel good. When you share your experiences at GDA, you're believed and stuff like that, you know. Well, I think think GDA has always been sort of fundamental around those issues. I mean, I've been a member of GDA for a long time. I can't even remember when I, when I started. But I, I do. I really do think that it's fundamental because it, it links everything together. You know, it's it's it's, it's care, it's housing, it's it's social, it's socialising. It's you know, so it's it's taking it's taking everything and and showing you the experience of a disabled person or, or groups of people. You know and trying to advocate for them in, in the best way possible. Um, I do. I also think that because of the way that GDA works, I think it encourages individuals to start advocating for others or advocating for themselves. I've got an acquired disability, so it was after that, and I was struggling a lot with kind of like coming to terms with it and things, and accessing just groups and stuff. So that's kind of how I became involved with GD in the beginning. But I've always been heavily involved in kind of activism stuff, more so in the LGBTQ community. But then, because I wasn't able to access that community for such a long period of time, I began doing a lot of that stuff with GD and really enjoying it, enjoying it far more than what I was doing before. Had it not been for GDA, I wouldn't have felt confident enough to speak up for myself in my social care. And actually having the knowledge and confidence to do that, um, I think if I didn't have as much of the background knowledge that I had around social care, I would have got, I don't think I would have got such a well-rounded experience that I've had, obviously, in the past couple of years with it. Um, so I think that that's really key is being confident, knowing your rights and things, because it some social workers don't tell you everything you're entitled to, um, which obviously is really helpful to have that kind of knowledge, but also the peer support. A lot of us do access social care. So having that peer support to talk to each other about those experiences is also really vital, I've found. Um, and being able to like give your friend a bit of advice about what they're entitled to or just being able to offload because you've had a really bad shift of a PA, like that can be really helpful as well. So just that peer support network that you wouldn't have had if it wasn't for GDA because you do become quite isolated without it. One of the recommendations of the Feely Review is that social care and the National Care Service need to involve disabled people 
at every level in how that service develops. So involved in co-design of um, systems and structures that should be helping to get uh, independent living for disabled people. The role of organisations like um, Glasgow Disability Alliance, so organisations that are run by and for disabled people, is really key here because they enable disabled people to come together as a group and talk and decide and think together about their collective position in society and how they can change that as a group. Voting and things like this we do as individuals, but that's only part of what makes for a participatory democracy. If if Scotland is going to be a true participatory democracy, it needs these organisations like Glasgow Disability Alliance to bring together groups of common interest uh, in order that they can um, have that collective discussion and advocate as a group for um, changes that will help disabled people as a group. And there's probably a million disabled people in Scotland. So we need more GDAs in, uh, in my view, we need a GDA in every local authority in Scotland because um, disabled people will have local issues and barriers which they need to advocate around and uh, organisations of disabled people, the evidence suggests, are the best means for disabled people to be able to express their collective voice. Nothing Thanks to Dr Richard Brunner, Fiona McAloon, Tressa Burke, Marianne Scobie and the wider GTA staff team for their knowledge, solidarity and support. This podcast was co-produced with and edited by Helena Rafai. Special thanks to GDA's social care expert group, in particular the members interviewed in this episode and the wider membership at GDA. GDA members drive and inform everything we do, from policy to participation, and steer our collective voice as a community of identity. At the time of recording, 22 million has just been cut from Glasgow's social care budget, leaving disabled people without essential support. Now more than ever, disabled people need the solidarity and support from our community. If you can, please share and support this podcast and GDA's wider work.